good? Sound good? Okay, I'm going to stall for a little bit while I catch my breath. So Blueprint, we're still in, in this in this season of Blueprint. And actually last week was too. I don't know if we managed to, uh, to get that across, but when Nate spoke last week, that was part of the Blueprint series. Uh, we as a church, um, Alex and Justin and even, you know, Nate and um, Andrew get together and we talk. There's things that we don't know. And many of us are in our 30s. Many of us are, have been Christians for 30 years, and there's still things about, biblical things about faith that we don't know. So that's what this series is. I think Nate covered faith beautifully last week. This week we're going to look at another one, another biblical word. That word is honor. And I'm going to stop here for about 30 seconds. I want all of you to just think and meditate on this word for a second. And I'm going to get your feedback. So don't just treat this as, there's a test at the end of this. Let's put it that way. So for 30 seconds, think about this word. I'll stop talking, I promise. And when you're done, I want to know the thought or the words or the images that came to your mind. So you you can't be scared of shouting stuff out after this. So go. All right, that feels like 30 seconds. Maybe I did. Whose kid is that? So, church, as you sat and thought about that word, one at a time, what comes up? What, what, when you hear honor, when you hear the word honor, what comes to mind? Loyalty. It's a good one. If Worthy? Love, sacrifice, giving God your first, integrity, esteem, you read the notes, anyone else, anyone have an image that came up, like a, a very visual, where's Carrie, come on. Nothing. A king. She might be cheating too. What'd you say? A judge. All right. You guys get like a C plus. You're supposed to read my mind. So the word honor, when I think of this, and this has been like a theme in my life forever, I think of this king sitting on a throne, and I think of myself in armor like knights of the round table, like I am serving this person. I, whatever I do, my actions will honor this person. And for a long time, that's how I approached my relationship with God. It's just everything that I do, I'm serving him as a knight. I'm like, you almost fight with the armor of God, right? And the sword of truth. What's the shield? Faith? All right. You better get it out now because the, the feedback piece is ending. <laughs> so that's the image that I had. Um, I, I think several of you captured a piece of that. But I think the Bible, it's really difficult to read through the Bible 
and not come across the word honor or the concept. It doesn't always stay there. I think one of the mistakes we make when we look for scripture about a topic is we look like keywords, like let's do a control F, let's find that word and let's find that verse. But there are many verses that cover topics in concept and we miss out. And I think honor is one of those. And we'll see, we'll see that today a little bit, maybe doing a little replacing of words to see it. But the word honor comes up a lot in the Bible, and I think it truly is an, a biblical word. It, it's rooted in, in God himself. If God didn't exist, honor probably wouldn't exist either. Not, I mean, granted, we probably wouldn't either. But So that's how I see it. And that's kind of the, the vision I have in my mind of I am, like there's this king on a throne, and it's, my mind isn't that great with coming up with stuff like that. I'm not too uh, great in the art, creative arts side. But like I just imagine myself like if you think of a knight like bent over on his sword, like that's what I'm thinking, all right? So we'll move in then. What does the Bible have to say about honor very specifically? And you're not even going to need your Bibles today because everything I talk about is going to be up there. If I see you on your phone, I'm going to question why. <laughs> and if you wonder why this feels like a word or a, a work presentation, like I'm giving a, a presentation at work, well, that's just how I do it. Um, it'll make more sense in a bit, too. So what does the Bible say about honor? So let's start out in the book of Samuel. So 1 Samuel 2.30. And to give you a little background here, this is in the context of Eli, who is the, the priest at the time, and he's got these two sons. Um, what is it, Hophni and Phineas or something like that? So these guys are probably the worst sons you could have. If if you meet any of these definitions, you're a bad son. But the Bible specifically calls him out, Eli, the, the head priest at the time in this place where Samuel is serving as lazy and a glutton. He was overweight. He really liked food. And he unfortunately passed that in some degrees to his, his sons. And then it specifically calls out his sons as manipulative, worthless. That is a quote from the version that I read. They were worthless. I, I don't want to be known as worthless. And maybe most importantly, or the worst of all, is they dishonored the Lord. I think we'll get to the end of it today, and you'll find out why that one might be the worst. And to give you even more context on how bad his sons were, they took advantage of women that would come to the temple. And I don't mean like they took their purses. I, that, that part to me, just like, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, why would they do that? That... That hurt my heart to hear that. Anyway, in that context, and remember, Samuel's serving under this guy. Remember, Samuel was dedicated. His, his mom had a run-in with Eli many years before that wasn't that great either, and she chose to honor him. And she ended up giving his son or her son to Eli to raise, right? So Samuel is kind of, uh, what would you say? He is uh, underneath him, like an apprentice is how I would say it in today's terms, underneath Eli, right? So Samuel's learning. Why am I looking back there? See, you can tell I've never done this. And so there's the context. That's what we're working with right now. That's the picture. That's if you're really good at imagining stuff, that's what you see. And in that context, the, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 2.30, I will honor those who honor me. This is God speaking, right? And I will despise those who think lightly of me. You guys remember in school when we had timelines? I think it was a timeline or a number line. 
And it was like he did the circle, and then like the arrow going for a positive number. And sometimes if you were really crazy, you'd have the negative number too. Try teaching your kids negative numbers, by the way. That, that really hurts. So we're going to do our best today. So if you imagine honor is on a, a timeline, and if you think about it, it's a continuous in either direction. I think a lot of times we might look at honor and we forget that there's a possibility of dishonor. And that can continue as far as you take it. And honor can continue as far as you take it that direction. You're not bound by zero for you math geeks. So think about honor in that way that you can go in one direction a long way or in the opposite or dishonor direction in the other way as well. And you don't want to be in the dishonor direction. But let me read that again. I will honor those who honor me. It's God speaking. I will despise those who think lightly of me. So if, if you're on the thinking lightly of or dishonoring side, your reward is right there. Uh, a couple of other points to cover here real quick while we set the stage for what is honor and what does God think about honor is what's the definition of honor? And I think this is where you saw the notes, but high respect and great esteem are two definitions or other ways of saying the word honor. So I would say replace it in those. So I will hold in high respect those who highly respect me, or I will hold in great esteem those who greatly esteem me. Are we doing that today? So think about that. And then the other word there that I have highlighted is despise. I didn't like the definitions for despise. They didn't seem strong enough, so I grabbed a couple synonyms there. Hate. Raise your hand if you want God to hate you. I didn't think so. Even to find intolerable. When I tend to find something intolerable, I avoid it. I I separate myself, right? I get away from it. So kind of reread that verse in that sense, and we'll, we'll do that here in a second. So this is easy enough, right? It's... It's pretty straightforward. Honor God, he'll honor you. Dishonor him, and, well, he won't, or he will dishonor you. And I would say most of the time in the past, we've probably just said, okay, that's great, it's perfect, let's move on. But there's a piece we miss, and it's that last line up there. And Alex actually touched on this. I don't know if he meant to when he was reading through earlier when he talked about the gifts, the blessings. Was that in the pre-huddle? Yeah might be jumping. Anyway, it's a theme that you, you should have seen for like the last six weeks, maybe plus. The Old Testament has promises. And Nate, you're actually really good at reminding me of this in our conversations, that the Old Testament has promises for the Israelites and for God's people. Guess what? That's us. 2,000, more than 2,000 years later, that's still us. We still have promises. So what, what is the honor we will receive? It is those promises. It's not simply financial either. And I think that's important to say, and I'll say it several more times throughout this, but how will God honor me? Have we stopped to think about that? What is this honor that we get? If we keep, keep moving through, you'll see in the Bible, we talk about honor's reward a little bit. So we'll, it, we'll jump into the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. I want to read that again, but I'm going to switch the words just a little bit. Same words. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. Anyone that wants to come to him must believe that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. 
You can see how that's phrased there. It uses that in both places, meaning to come to him, you must do those things, right? You must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek after him. I promise you this isn't a prosperity gospel message. But there are rewards for honoring God. And I promise you it's not just financial. In fact, it probably is the least likely to be financial. And it's not, you're not going to get this huge land gift either. But there are other blessings of health, of joy. If you think about what the U.S. is struggling with, what Americans are struggling with, really what Western culture is struggling with, Europe is probably not outside of this either, we don't have any sense of fulfillment. We don't have joy. We're lacking it, and we're searching for it in all these self-help books. We're searching for it on TikTok. Why? I don't know. We're searching for it in exercise, in crazy diets. We're trying to find our purpose. We're trying to find our joy. And God's like, I've got it. I have it for you in a way that will never be taken away, in a way that will not run out. I have these rewards for you. And the formula is pretty simple. Honor me. I will honor you. Next, James. If you, if this is, I put this in here because if you question whether anything God gives is good or bad, let's put that to bed right here. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. If you get something good, if you get something like, oh, this is perfect, it's a gift from God. So to reiterate that and to cover it again, God rewards those who honor him, and he gives good gifts. He's not going to give you a snake. I think that's one of the analogies they use. He's not going to give you a snake or a scorpion. He's going to give you good gifts when you honor him. And if you think you can game this system, you're wrong because God knows your heart. This isn't a math formula, so to speak, where you're like, check here, check here, check here, show up here, do this, talk to this person, and boom, cash in. It's not how it works. God knows your heart. He knows my heart. And in the end, he will deliver according to the honor that you give. So, that sounds pretty sweet, right? I get to... uh, get a reward out of honoring God. Easy enough, we could probably call the band up and move on. But there's another aspect of this that we have to understand. Honoring God means honoring his authority, or said differently, honoring his delegated authority. You know, God doesn't come to each one of us every single day and say, hey, Jessica, do this. Alex, got something for you. That's not how he works, especially not in the year 2023. What he does is he delegates authority in different areas of our lives, and we'll cover those in a second. But just to, to set the stage for that, in Romans 13, verses 1 through 2, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist, those being the authorities that exist, have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. This goes back to the honor principle, right? And remember, this honor goes in both directions to an infinite degree. You can honor an infinite amount, and you can dishonor an infinite amount. There's nothing that's stopping you. That's free will, right? 
So to put this simply, honoring God, honoring God means honoring authority or honoring his delegated authority. We're going to play a little game. Find and replace. You can still see what the words are, so I'm not trying to pull fleece over your eyes or anything, but let's read this a different way. Let's replace a couple words with the word honor. I'll read it again for you. Let every person honor the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever dishonors the authorities dishonors what God has appointed. And those who dishonor will incur judgment. And then let's go back to, on the same slide, but on the, um, the first Samuel verse. I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. It's a lot. So when we honor authority, we honor God, because he is the one who delegated authority in the first place. I don't know about you, but when I read that Romans verse, I think of the government, and that is hard. That is very difficult. And when Alex actually reached out to me about this, I had been reading a book. He's got me on what I call the Bevere Diet. I'd been reading a book that talked about, well, I think two of them really. There's honor's reward, and there's also undercover. And frankly, off God that Alex talked about covers this. And then if you even want to do the four books, it's the bait of Satan. Those four books really, really help each other. Like they, he'll cover the same stories, but they really build on each other well. And I don't have a recommended order of reading them. But Bevere really hits into honoring your government. Man, that sucked. Of all the, the four areas that we'll cover in a second, the government one for me was like, we existed 250 years ago. We exist because we rebelled. This is America. This is a Second Amendment country, right? Like, I'm supposed to honor authority and submit to it? No thanks. So don't, don't for a second think this is easy for me just because I'm talking about it. that one was tough. I'm still wrestling with it, but I think I've got a little more peace on it. All right, moving on. What are these four divisions of authority? Again, if you read through Bevere's books, I'm practically stealing his, his content, but, I mean, he ultimately got it from God, so here we are. So there's four divisions of God's authority. There's the family. So God delegates authority to a family. The, the civil um, authority that he delegates or the government authority. There's the church authority, whether you like that or not. We'll cover that one a little bit more here in a, in a second. And then finally, there's the social authority. This will be the meat of our message today. Uh, we'll get to it eventually. But in the social space, there's the employer. There's the boss. And some of you in there out here are like, I don't have a job. <laughs> no, sorry. It could be your teachers. It could be your coaches. There's different leaders in our social space that that we get put under, that we have to submit to, right? Uh, I can tell you from this one, the social one's always been pretty easy for me. I've been in sports most of my life. I've learned very quickly what it takes to please a coach. And I applied the same thing to the teachers. A life hack for you. If you respect a teacher, they will overlook things that other students 
they won't get the same treatment. I promise you. I, that is one that I think this is the fastest feedback loop is honoring teacher. Some of you are like, crap, I missed that. You did, but tell your kids. There are absolutely things you turn in. Maybe you turn in a little bit late that day, or maybe you miss one, and they're like, and see it 100%. I'm not saying that that's right. I'm just saying that's how it is. Moving on to a hierarchy. I'm going to show you this same view a little bit differently. And Alex touched on this a little bit ago. If you want to be offended today, I guarantee this will be it. You'll find something in here that you don't agree with. Oh, why did he say that? This is a representation. That means... It only means good things. It can't mean anything bad. Um, there's only cert- a certain number of ways to show something, and this is how I chose to show it. So you can see at the very top, God. He's got authority. He's delegating it out to those four different areas that we're going to talk about today. He delegates it to the church, and in there is the lead pastor. There's other pastors, and then there's members. If you don't like that this is a hierarchy, and that in some cases I'm like, I'm at the bottom of that, This is what Alex is talking about. Let this convict you, not offend you. It's a much better way. And then we move on to the family. You've got the husband, the wife, and the kids. At work, you could have owners, managers. Again, work's organizational structures are set up differently. It could look different, but we've got that kind of that same thing. You've got the government. That one's a little harder to to put into a box. But in all of that, there is purpose. And this is almost always the case. When you think of the word honor, what is it, the Marines? The few, the proud, the Marines, or something like that. That whole, I remember that commercial series growing up. There was, it was just all about honor. You couldn't look at that commercial and think, I don't want to be a Marine. Like, everyone's like, I'd run through a wall right now to be a Marine, right? Like, there was honor, and there's always been honor in the military place. And what does the military do? They have a hierarchy. They have roles. They have purposes. They have leaders. They have authority. And the authority runs down. And within that hierarchy, there will always be purpose. Every single one of those positions. So if you look up there, and like, where am I in these different places? You have a purpose in that spot. It doesn't matter if you're the last stop or the first stop. You have a purpose. And if you're at the top, you also have a lot of responsibility. And not just earthly, but biblically, you have a lot of responsibility to care for the people below you. So we've got purpose in these different roles. The honor will flow up and it will flow back down. That one was a little harder to put on there, so I'm, I'm not that good at word art, but there it is. And then finally, the, the point that we talked about is if you're in your role, whatever that spot is in here, and you are honoring the people above you, I promise you, you will find fulfillment and joy. And if you've been lacking that in the two areas that we cover today, it's going to be all four, but I don't have time to cover all of them. If you are lacking fulfillment and joy at church or at work, it's because you're not honoring in a godly manner. 99% of the time, there are certainly times where you just got to get out because it's toxic. And we'll cover that too in a little bit about an example of that, uh, of when that's appropriate, when it's not. Hint, most of the time, we're just offended. We're just, offended is the word I'll use before I get myself in trouble. All right, moving on then. So let's touch the church one. I'm going to stop on this space for just a bit because I think it's worthwhile. 
But honestly, as I was preparing this message, this was going to be my spot, and I just didn't feel it. I didn't feel this church needed it to the degree that we need the other one. And that was hard because I really wanted to cover this, so I'm giving it a slide. We're going to talk about it for one slide. Uh, The other day, a couple weeks ago, I should say, actually, Alex talked. He was up here, and he said, you all went to college with me, or you knew me in college. What do they say about a prophet? He's respected everywhere but his hometown. There's a danger in knowing someone in their developmental years and then taking them seriously when they're older. I didn't know Alex in college. I don't have that problem. I met Alex as a student, um, as a youth leader, as a uh, youth minister. Why can't I think of the word? So I didn't get to know him in that way. So my respect for Alex has always been there. I didn't know the Alex of college. And frankly, I'm glad Alex didn't know the Brandon of college. Because that'd be a lot of baggage for us to carry around. So we got to start in a good spot. And I only bring that up in... Don't view Alex as college Alex. He's a leader of this church. He is pastor Alex. Where's Andrew? Is he hiding? Right there. Did you know that Andrew is pastor Andrew? Is that, that hurt to say? You should practice these when you get home. Where's Stone? You know what? It's pastor Stone? You ever, said, you ever called Stone, Pastor Stone? I think I did the other day, and I almost fell over. Lenny won't like this. You know it's Pastor Lenny? I want to tell you guys a, a quick story. This wasn't part of it, but she's sitting up front, so she deserves it. At prayer night the other night on Tuesday, if you haven't been to that, I would highly recommend it, but I showed up, and I was sitting, let's say I'm here, Eleni was sitting over there, and all of a sudden this feeling came over me like, if she doesn't pray over you for this message before you leave, something's wrong. Like, she's going to. Or if she doesn't, you need to ask her to. And I was like, I just like, whatever, that's nothing. And it kept coming up. It was like five different times this feeling came over me. I'm like, whatever, it, it's no thing. And then we did, we did like a group prayer, and Eleni's like, Brandon, I want to pray for you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and some of the words that she said were exactly what I needed to hear. She didn't even know it. She had no idea. I guarantee you had no idea. But you said the perfect words, the words that I needed. Why is that? Why do you think that is? I've been thinking about that. At first, I was like this kind of weird... Um, I couldn't explain it, but I think what it is, you are a pastor on this staff because Alex said that you were, and Alex has authority. He delegated authority to you, and me being in this church, you have authority over me. And I needed, for some reason, I don't know why, maybe for this message, I needed you to say, Brandon, I give you permission. If that is weird to you, it was weird to me. But I think we got to start thinking more about that. Just absolute reverence for the pastors in our church. All that to say, a good test. A pastor should not 
seek or demand honor. We go back to Eli's son. I want to say Phineas and Ferb. I don't know why, but they deserve it. What did they do? Exactly those two things. They sought after honor. They made people give them their offerings and food. They took advantage of women. They demanded things. It was very obvious right up front, these guys were not fit to be a, a pastor or a prophet or anything in that regard. That is the test for us in this church. If you look at a pastor that has been anointed or been put in place and they fail that, it's probably a good sign. On the flip side, we do have something to take away from this. Pastors deserve double honor. Let's read this passage quick. In 1 Timothy, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. What is double honor? Well, whatever you would do for your other areas of authority, you would double that. If you were thinking about giving a gift to them, you'd double it. If you were going to serve for an hour, you serve for two hours. And you do it happily. Is this how America works today? It's not. Is this how I work? Not really. If you find yourself at church and you walk out, you go, I'm not being fed. Man, that sucked. Brandon's the worst ever. Alex missed it this week. This is three weeks in a row Alex has missed it. Are you honoring the people that God puts up here? I want to give you an example of dishonor. And it's unfortunately from me. And I was standing right here. A couple weeks ago during our our huddle, uh, we speak of this huddle, the, the volunteers that come to church. We meet before we pray over this experience. I'm standing right here. Alex is just about to read. I think it was from Isaiah. And I don't know why I did this. It, it is a character flaw, possibly, but I created a distraction right as he's about to read. And immediately I knew what I did because I was working on this message. And I'm just like, you know that, like, Southwest, you want to get away? That was me at that moment. I don't know if anyone else saw it. But not only did I disrespect my pastor, I disrespected the word of God and God himself in one fell swoop, all those things at once. And you know what? Four weeks before that, I would probably not think anything of it. I'd be like, big deal, Alex, get over it. We can't do that. Our pastors deserve our respect. If you're not respecting your pastor, you will get nothing from his message. I don't care if... John Bevere himself is up here, or Francis Chan is up here, name your favorite pastor, it won't matter. And I am not above this. You can tell I failed less than eight days ago in this space, preaching this message seven days later. So what are some other examples of how can we respect our pastors? I love examples of how we can implement stuff and what can we do. One is respect. We've talked about it. Pretty straightforward. Financial support. Do you give to the church? Sure. Do you tithe? Absolutely. Double honor might mean that you do something for your pastors that maybe it doesn't make it to your tax return. 
There's actually a story in one of Bevere's books where he's a guest speaker at a church, and they hadn't really been giving that well. And he's, he's preaching that day. He's like, they normally collected an offering for the speaker, and he, that was, that's what he would take. He said, no, today here's what we're going to do. Two things. Number one, this offering is not for me. It is for your pastor. Number two, this isn't going through your taxes. You're giving this today cash. It was the, thir- it was the largest offering they ever received, 3X. Like at 3X, their, their previous offering. And not a single one of them got a tax benefit off of it. If the reason we give is because we get a tax write-off, it's the wrong reason. It's surely it's a nice benefit, but folks, God is going to multiply. He's going to honor you. And I guarantee you he honors you more than the 1% break that you get on your taxes. Finally, there's obedience. How do you honor your church? Are you obedience? This is so huge for revival. Look where we are. We're not in some Taj Mahal building. We're halfway across town, if not further, for most of you. Some of you live in another state, yet here you are. You're planted in the house of God. You're planted where you've been called, and you're going out of your way. You're uncomfortable. You're driving through snow. You name it. Here we are. That's what it takes. It takes obedience. If God has called you to revival, you will follow it where you, wherever you go. I need to record these words and play them back to myself someday. If you've been called to this church, follow it. Be obedient to Alex. Wherever he leads us, that's where we will go. Is it inconvenient because you don't take a half-block drive to get to church? Yes, it is. But when you're here, you mean it. There will be a reward. You know I've stayed too long on one slide when my screen locks. And finally, trust. This is, again, the trust piece. Well, Alex is like, we're going to here. We're going to be at this place for four weeks. Just trust that he knows that he has gotten that word from God. I'll, I'll finish on this. Remember, our pastors deserve double honor. What are you doing? When you see that their kids need help, you jumping in. When you see they need a babysitter, you jumping in. This is a very special call for our pastors. But don't forget, they should not seek or demand any of this. We need to give this freely. Next, honoring our civil leader. I, I, won't be, I won't lie, there's not a great verse to sum all this up. So I'm going to use one, and you're probably going to say he's not talking about normal workers or bond servants. Okay, you got me. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, let all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teachings may not be reviled. I think that second part says it all. If your work ethic is anything other than as high as it can be, and people know you go to church, go to revival, guess what that reflects poorly on? It reflects poorly on this church, and it reflects very poorly on God. I mean, if that's the depth of your relationship where you don't care about anything at work. I'm really passionate about this one because I see it. I've been a manager of people for five years. I can't say I've ever had someone that I know to be a a devout Christian working for me and, and fail these things, but I know what we could be 
if the, what we cover here coming up is, would, would just be done by people. If, if revival alone would do this, it would make an impact in this city. I promise you. How many here work outside the church? Like you're employed somewhere else. Raise a hand. Is your hand hurt, Caleb? Ah, there we go. So that's most of us, right? So most of us have an opportunity. I say opportunity. You probably don't view it that way. To serve or be under the authority of a manager of some sort. I hope you start viewing it as an opportunity because what it is is you are honoring God by honoring that person. How incredible. And guess what? You see this person five days a week, and you'll see here really soon how often you actually do see these people. So if we look at a weekly time allocation, and I am guilty here of using my own, this little beauty of a chart. Thank you, Microsoft Excel. Most of us spend about a third of our week sleeping. If you don't, I don't know what's wrong with you. Next up, we spend about a quarter of our time at work or engaged in work. This is a 40-hour work week. Some of you are probably even on top of that. Maybe you're running two jobs. Maybe it's busy season right now. It's pretty possible. So 24% of your time is spent at work or engaged in work. Would you say that that's a pretty big chunk of your week? Let's take sleep out. All of us sleep. We don't get anything done while we sleep. In that case, your waking hours, 36% of that is spent at work. That's an incredible amount of time. How are we doing in 36% of our time? What are we doing with that time? Are we honoring God? Remember, ultimately, honor flows all the way up. Are we honoring God in that time? Oh, also, by the way, you see church down there, it's pretty small. What we do here, it's not a lot of our time. And that even includes if you came to prayer night. So you got like, what, maybe four, six hours, something like that in there. It's not a lot. All right. Dishonor at work. These are the observations of Brandon Whip over his time working in finance, mostly banking. If you are doing any of these things, you need to stop. And rather than just give you the negative ones, let's talk about some different ways of doing it. They're stealing. If you have to be told what the opposite or the alternative is to stealing, please see me after. There's complaining. This one is, oh, it's so easy to complain. This sucks. The break room is closed. The, can you believe we had to come in five minutes early today? Can you believe we're even working today? It's Black Friday. I think everyone should work Black Friday. Instead of complaining, try praising. Find something to be thankful about, something good that happened that day, something good about someone. Praise a person. Be thankful. Show up and say, you know what? I'm glad I could come into work today because there's people who can't. Find something to be thankful about. Next, undermining. This is a big one. Someone has a project. This is universal. This applies to any business. It's not just banking. Someone has an initiative, a project. This comes a lot from the CEO wants to do something. People on the front lines like, no, we're not going to do that. You undermine it. You find ways to make it break, to make it not work. If this is you, stop it. Remember, God appoints all authority. He, all delegated authority is him. That person is there because God put them there. 
It's not for you to decide that they should or shouldn't be there. It's for you to honor them. And if what they're doing is against God's will, you can at that point exit. But the last time I checked, most of the initiatives that get delivered from the top down have very little to do with that. It just may, might create more work for you or it might change the work that you do. Don't undermine it. Champion it. Instead of saying, I'm not going to do that, say, you know what? I think this is a great idea. We've been getting kind of stale around here. Let's mix it up a little bit. Let's try something new. Let's see if we can be more efficient. Next up is lacking effort. Focus. Gosh, the number one contributor to this, that stupid cell phone in your pocket. Every five minutes, you're looking at it. It kills focus. There's other things, too. Obviously, you could surf the web, but, man, that the cell phone is just this thing that you just we can't get past it. Put it away. Truancy. What a funny word for being late. Be early. When I was in college, my, my football coach, if you weren't five minutes early, you were late, and that was guaranteed. Did it suck at the time learning that rule? It absolutely did. But now it's ingrained. If I'm not there five minutes early, I'm late. Gossiping, not much to say there. You just shouldn't be gossiping at work. Uh, it's so easy, though, the water cooler talk you hear. It doesn't matter what your job site is. If you're on a construction site, someone, oh, did you hear what Bill did? Just be quiet. You don't have to respond. Don't give other people the satisfaction. Doing the bare minimum. This is like the Good Samaritan story, but the opposite. Remember, he showed up, finds the guy. He's heard busted up on the side of the road, takes him to an inn, bandages him up, and leaves money. Take care of whatever he needs. Is that how we're doing it at work? Are you doing just enough to get by? Or are you doing a little bit more, even if you don't get recognized for it? I promise you, from my knowledge of, of work and being it, if you go above and beyond, it will eventually get you recognition. And you know what? If it doesn't, it's building your skills. You're going to take, you're going to learn new skills. And soon you might just say, I, I can I qualify for this job over here and you guys don't even know it's hot. Maybe you just bolt. That's what you'll do. Be careful with that, too. Finally, insubmission and disobedience. Those two don't need an alternative. It just removed the prefix, right? And this, kind of, this really goes back to church. I think the church authorities and the work authorities are very similar. There's a lot of ways to apply it to both of them just because of the, the structures and how they're set up. I'm actually going to stop on this just for a second. Brandon, you can hang out. I want to share a story of my life in my working world. Um, And the reason I share this is this was at work in my life, and I didn't even know it. The idea of honor's reward in the workspace and honoring delegated authority, our managers. So about eight years ago, nine years ago now, I took a new job, new company. I don't know why. I probably failed a couple of those checklist things there. You know, I just jumped ship, went to a different place. About 18 months in, my manager changes. And I decided I'm not working for this person. I don't like him. Not going to do it. I had a terrible attitude. I complained. I gossiped. I did, again, I failed a lot of those things. And I decided, you know what, this ain't for me. I'm going to switch departments. So I did that. Applied for every opening in the, in the place. Went to a different department. And looking back now, I can kind of see God's probably like, 
<laughs> you think you're you're getting out of this, you're not. The next manager that I signed up for was the most incredible micromanager in the history of the world. I can't with words describe this person's expectations. The bar was so high that when you met it, you were too exhausted to care. And most of the time, even getting 95% of the way still left 5% for you could have done this better. But for some reason, I'm wired in a way that I flourished. As much as I hated it, I sat at work some days and my stomach just hurt from how much I hated my job. But I decided I was going to gut it out. Maybe pride. That might be the one time where pride actually worked in my favor. And I honored this manager. And when she wanted something done, I went above and beyond. There were several times where in a meeting, she was about nine months pregnant. And I guarantee anyone in here that's ever been nine months pregnant knows that your brain just doesn't work to the same level. And that's, that's a biological fact. In meetings uh, with other people, she was like, just draw a blank. And I'd be like, I could let you crash and burn right here, but I'm not going to. And I would jump in, and I did this several times, and I just saved her and made myself look kind of dumb, like it was my fault. I don't know why I did this. I, I seriously, to this day, can't explain it. But what I found is this was at work here. This honor principle was at work, Right? You guys are way ahead of me. You're going to be playing a while. Unless you're telling me that I'm done. Uh, what I found is that this honor principle was at work because about 18 months into this job, I get a random phone call. Hey, I'd like to offer you this job. Details, details, details. I didn't reach out to this person but I knew I needed out of where I was because it was physically destroying. This was honor's reward at work. I was honoring my manager who I didn't want to. I really didn't, but I just chose to do it. I promise you that that will happen. It, it does. All right, real quick, we're going to fire through these next things. In the book of Daniel, it is the ultimate example. If you have time, read chapters one through six. After six, seven through 12 gets real wacky real quick. Some of you are laughing because you know Daniel is such an awesome example of someone who worked hard. And he didn't care. He didn't let his feelings run the show. He just worked hard. And he had kind of this interesting scenario where his employer was his government. He worked for Babylon and then later Persia, right? Because he was in exile from Jerusalem. In these verses, I highlight these, and I'm going to kind of bust through them really quick because they could find no fault in Daniel. And he had every reason in the world to be complaining, insubordinate, everything. He was a 70-year exile. Some of us go to work five days a week and we think we're in exile. This dude was 70, his whole life, he was in a foreign country. Not by his desire either. So just real quick to paraphrase, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired, he found them being Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, which were Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, renamed. He found them ten times better 
Let's put ourselves in those shoes. When, when your employer asks you something, are you 10 times better than everyone else? Well, now you're asking yourself, well, how can I be? I've only been in there a year. How about this? The king also made this observation. But you are able for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. You got to remember, Babylon didn't recognize God as the God. But they knew Daniel had a spirit in it. Do you? We all do. Every one of us can have this at work. And we can let people see it by our work ethic. Finally, on the last one there. I included this one more for anything that very last sentence. Because the rest of you are like, I don't need to interpret dreams. I don't work for that kind of place. I don't need to explain riddles. Um, Batman's not my enemy kind of thing. But guess what? How many of us need to solve problems at work? Work is one big problem. That's what we're there for. We're there to solve problems. If you can solve problems better than the next person, you will be successful. And that's what Daniel could do. Why could Daniel do it? He had the spirit of God in him. He was just a normal guy. Like He had had no special upbringing, but he was faithful and he honored God in everything he did. Moving on then real quick. I want to point your attention first to that lion at the top right. That thing is not cute. It's eating a big piece of meat too. I don't want to be in a den with a bunch of those. I don't care if their mouths are sealed, sewed shut. They have other weapons. Claws, she said. A couple more things about Daniel, the way that he was described. So they tried getting him to worship the the golden statue, but he didn't. And so these officials come and say they could find no ground for complaint or fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Is that you at work? Can, can your coworkers say this about you? Can they say that about me? Ooh, that's a big one. That is an incredible bar to set, but it's possible because Daniel did it. And in the way that Daniel approached his work, we can see that he prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus. I can tell you from reading through Daniel, he served under four kings. Nebuchadnezzar, his son, Belshazzar, is that it? Something like that? perfect. That was right. Just trust me. Finally, he served under Darius, and then I think his final one was Cyrus. Two Babylonian kings, two Persian kings. But you know what didn't change during those four leader changes? His approach. A couple days ago, Caleb sent me a message about honor. That line up there should be familiar. That's not your line. But that's what you sent me. Why is that? Why is there unity in the spirit on these things? I think this line is for all of us here today. And I think it was reaffirmed by Caleb. Because we all need to walk away today with this. Our honor must not be dependent on our leader. No matter what of the four areas are. Or our comfort. When Daniel got thrown in the lion's den... He did it. The king, Darius, threw him in. He spent the night. The next day, the king didn't want to do this, but he shows up. He goes, Daniel, you okay? What would we say? Yeah, 
fool. You're the one who threw me in here. No, 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 no. That's not what Daniel does. He has no offense in his heart whatsoever. He is going to honor the king. He says, oh, king, live forever. When's the last time we did that to our managers? They gave us an assignment and we said, live forever. No. We're like, you. Is that right? I, I don't know how he did it. Honestly, like that level of humility and the just refusal to be offended is incredible to me. Again, read through Daniel 1, Daniel 1 through 6. It's like a blueprint of how to work and how to serve and how to honor with everything that we do. All right. Finally, to wrap all this up, I've said most of these things, but I think it might be worth repeating. Let's conduct our work like Daniel. Just us, right here in this room. If you're listening online, you too, but as a church, I think we can change the makeup of this city and the workforce in this city because all of us are somewhere else. Work like Daniel. Honor your leaders in your workforce or in your workplace. People will notice. Your work ethic will honor God. People will want to know, where do they go to church? I want to go there. They've got something in them. I can tell you from being a manager and from reporting to people I didn't want to, the honors reward principle that we talked about it's real. Do the work. Work hard. I don't care if this is your first day. Don't be offended. Don't, don't let offense get you. Don't let offense permeate your, work, your workplace. Refuse to be offended. Honor your managers. But I'll also say this. If your managers, if you look through Daniel, there's two instances where the kings say, dishonor God, and they said, no, we're out. But you know what? They didn't do it disrespectfully. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego said, we respect you, king. We respect your request, but we're not going to do it. And they refer to him in a title, O king. They don't say, you fool. They still respected him. And same thing with Daniel, not just on this occasion that we had here, but also when he was asked to pray to the idol, he said, I can't do it. We can be respectful and disagree it. but I think we can make a huge impact as a church in all the employers that we touch by honoring the authority that's over us. It's all yours, Andrew.